4: We're about to have overtime in a do-or-die situation for the Vegas Golden Knights. Montreal Canadiens and the Knights tied at 2. Entering overtime north of the border, closing seconds of the third quarter. It is to 74-67, the Clippers leading by 7 within the number that Jeff Parle's was able to grab as Luke Kennard buries a three. Sorry, Jeff, didn't mean to jinx you there or mush you. Uh, Steve Ballmer very calm after that three for some reason. Not not that, sure why. That's got to be oh. There you go. Get a wow, little, get a little block and some free throws here that for Cam fortunate. Johnson. That was fortunate. Um, so a seventy-seven sixty-seven game. Brad Evans going to join us here in just a little bit. That's Jeff Parles. I'm Tim Murray. At some point, I think Banksy will stop by. Darren Banks maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll we'll get him to stop by um, as this game, whenever this game you're, uh, concludes. You're assuming the game ends by the time we're off the air. That is true. <laughs> that is true. We could have we could have multiple overtimes. We we saw on uh, on Sunday evening very quick goal yeah. scored by the Golden Knights, and we saw last night quick goal scored. A, by the Islanders. Overtime underway. Both Jeff and I grabbed the hometown team uh, at some plus money very early in. And, uh, or sorry, very uh, after the second period, I beg your pardon. So we will see. Uh, We're both cheering for the Knights, cheering for a game seven. And uh, we are headed right now to a fourth quarter in Los Angeles. Oh! Oh, come on! Wow. (laughs) Paul George... Paul George just hit a half court shot at the buzzer. I'm sure they'll go to
5: replay that was, to that check. Was, that was off. That was off, Unless if the, unless if they didn't start the clock quickly enough, that looked good live. Yep, that's he's good. Got it. That's definitely good, man. He had missed seven in a row till until that bank from 48 feet. So
4: now I'm but, losing by a half. Well, by let the me way. let me let me say let me ask you this now. So now that that half court heave comes home. He's blowing kisses to the crowd. Now I got a little extra cushion to work with. Now I think it's going to be is it time. I
5: think it's going to be the same number that if I just it's eight and a half, add. I'm going to jump back in with you. I, I think it's going to be the same Let's number. dive back into that pool, baby. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's what. I mean, by the way, nice way to cash your over two and a half threes for Paul yeah, George right? tickets, I was just thinking that. <laughs> nice nice I, uh, way to do that. I'm
4: officially on, uh, on worry watch here for Aiton. DeAndre Ayton. He's got 12 points. Over under was 15 and a half. But he was sitting with 10 after the first quarter and uh, just two since then. had those two here in the third quarter. And you're down, uh, you're down 11, Jeff. I don't know if what you're uh, what you're getting. so uh, it is uh, it has popped suns eight. so not getting that hook right now. No deal.
5: See, I. it's close. That's close <laughs> to my number. We very weird ending to that quarter, by the way. Yeah, uh, th- three by three by canard. Then the quick push by Cam Johnson uh, gets fouled and a questionable blocking call made to two free throws. And then George from uh, from just inside half court with the bank. So uh, there you go, Tim. Uh, there's some, something weird going on in the uh, Montreal Vegas game. I thought that touch they ruled an icing, but I'm pretty sure a touch Leonard going to the board. So that should be a face off in the uh, Oh, I guess not. They're going with uh Going with the icing call. Yeah, so I don't think they got that right, by the
4: way. Just underway, by the way. You know what? Just uh, for team synergy, I took the eight. I took the eight. We're gonna go down together on this well,
5: one. Well, if it lands eight, if it lands eight, Tim, I'm gonna be a little frustrated. But it, I uh, won't you, blame you, you. You, you. won't. I won't blame you. you only, I, I you can only have myself to blame on that one. Yeah. Uh, as it'd be nice if Vegas scored here. Be real oh. nice if Vegas scored here. Nice play by Price. That was a good job. I, yeah, I, I was was Price is playing real well. I was you heard the for O's the roar. behind us, actually. I was waiting for
4: the roar to take place. So uh, right now, in-game line with the Clippers and the Suns, 80-69, to 69, 8 is the number here at Circa. And uh, as Jeff mentioned, the half-court shot that was uh that did go off definitely off uh Paul George cashes his over two and a half threes with that one a uh, his third three of the game he's the only one for the Los Angeles Clippers with multiple three-pointers Reggie Jackson has one Pat Bev has one Luke Kennard has one Marcus Morris has one as well so 80 to 69 heading into the fourth quarter and the Montreal, Montreal Canadiens Reubenon. have just defeated the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the nightcap. Well, Montreal Canadiens, a team that won 24 games (laughs) and lost 32, is headed to the Stanley Cup final. They beat the Vegas Golden Knights in overtime, by a final of three to two, and uh, you can cash a juice as juicy as pre-series 425 is the juiciest I saw in spots in town, Jeff. And the va- and the Montreal Canadiens win this series in six.
5: Licking in with the game winner, uh, an odd man rush off of what was probably VGK's two best scoring opportunities of the overtime period. Uh, Reddy got stonewalled, and then Price made a big save on Martinez. And then just a beautiful play by Montreal and a great finish by Lekkanen to send the Canadians to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 93. First Canadian team there since 2011 when the Canucks lost to Boston in seven. Yep, And, again, Steve won 43% of their games. And I have to, we're going to have to go through it, Tim, but I have to imagine – that this is the worst winning percentage team to make the Cup final in a very long time in the NHL.
4: Yeah, uh, if you just do wins and losses, 24 and 32 in the regular season, and they are headed to the Stanley Cup final, an Eastern Conference team will hoist up the uh, the Western Conference
5: trophy, right? Isn't that the the way it's? Well, play they won't. Out? They won't. They won't touch the Campbell Bowl, but uh, but it will be an all East final. Yep, we did get we. we we do get the quirkiness of the weird season where you get two East teams, which wasn't sure if we were going to get that, especially with the way that this went through. But look, if you're if you're the Knights, this is again anything can happen in a hockey series. But this is uh, this is now two years in a row losing to an inferior team in the uh, in the semifinal round. So questions will be asked, and it'll be a very interesting off season. Here for VGK in town.
4: Yeah, we'll see if Banksy can join us uh, in a little bit. But right now, let's head out to uh, not Denver, Colorado. Let's head out to the great state of Illinois and bring in Brad Evans in the new digs. I'm curious, is it going to look a little bit different uh, now uh, in a new setup for Mr. Evans? Brad, appreciate you jumping on with us. How are you, brother? How was the drive from Colorado to Illinois?
6: Oh, it was desolate. Uh, that's what it was. A bunch <laughs> of rolling hills, uh, cornfield, soybeans, and swine. Uh, that was about it. So uh, as you come back to Illinois, naturally, the eye came with me. So sure. yeah, the backdrop, uh, virtually the same. Switch it up a little bit. Nice hello there to my boy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Lorax himself. Uh, but other than that, same show rolls on, gentlemen.
4: Yeah, well, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, we got a lot going on, and uh, we were just talking some offensive rookie of the year, which we'll we'll get into here in just a little bit. But I know uh, something, Brad, that you've been uh, keeping a close eye on are some uh, some you know some over unders, and I, I want to start with uh, with start with a rookie in Travis Etienne. Now, I know that uh urban meyer made some some waves saying that he was going to be their third down back which is just made you scratch your head but when you look at travis Etienne and the way that he caught the football at clemson over under at points bet for total receptions this year is 44 and a half do you think that clemson connection continues and etn's getting a whole lot of catches out of the backfield
6: Amen. He's going to, this is one of the strongest bets right now at the futures board among player props. So uh, this one being offered a points, bet. Uh, it's a bit absurd to me because of that established rapport, that chemistry that you mentioned with Trevor Lawrence, uh, not only that too, you know, James Robinson is still going to be around. Sure. But you know, he's not going to take on another 90 plus percent of the opportunity share, not with a dynamic weapon like ETN, a guy that had a 3.84 yards after contact per attempt last season playing for Clemson. A guy that was top of the nation, total forced, and a guy that's got, you know, adept hands, you know, he had 48 receptions a season ago for this Tigers team. And the one thing you got to look at with uh, Jacksonville is that defense is very flimsy on paper. They were one of the more forgiving units last season. So if Jacksonville's going to be scoreboard chasing, which I believe is going to be a case early and often this year, uh, he could blow up this number by 15 to 20 catches on the over. So, you know, I think he's going to be in that 55 to 65 catch range when it's all said and done. So sledgehammer the over on Travis <laughs> Etienne, 44 and a half reception.
5: Brad, uh, let's go to a guy who was injured very early in the season last year and in, uh, in your uh, in your former market there, uh, Cortland Sutton obviously got, got hurt early in the year. What, what direction would you go with his receiving yards?
6: Well, the weather vane, if you read it, it's only pointing in one direction. That's north, guys. Uh, okay. I, I don't care if it's going to be Teddy Two Gloves, Bridgewater or center, who, by the way, if it is Bridgewater versus Locke, In August, uh, it's going to be a walk uh, for Teddy B to win this job because Drew Locke is one of the crappiest quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's just be honest. Uh, And, you know, if a certain someone for Northern Wisconsin uh, decides to travel west toward the Continental Divide, then... It's all systems go for Cortland Sutton. And right now, in a recovering from the injury, which he suffered back in week two, uh, he's gotten the green light. He's looked tremendous in off-season workouts. Uh, he's a season move from an 1,100-yard year. Uh, and in that year, again, primarily with Drew Locke and also Joe Flacco as his quarterback, he was wide receiver 78, gentlemen, and catchable target rate. Here's the good news. If Bridgewater wins the starting gig, Teddy B. last season, the Carolina Panthers, had the eighth best catchable pass rate. So that combination of Teddy Bridgewater's accuracy in the short-to-intermediate field with occasional long balls, and Sutton's dynamic skill set across the board, uh, I think he is going to have a phenomenal year, a bounce-back season off the injury, something around 1,250, 1,300 yards. And we got to remember too, it's a 17-game season. So 1050 and a half, way too low. Give me the over again.
4: We're talking once again to Brad Evans, our good friend at Noisy Huevos, and now uh, relocated to the great state of Illinois. So he's staying up a little bit later for us. So we always appreciate that, Brad. Um, we were texting earlier today. I, I'm i pretty sure I know which way you want to go on this one, but uh, I just want to double check that I've got I've got the right Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is now a Buffalo Bill. Uh, what are you looking at? Is, is that the uh, receptions that you're looking at there?
6: No, it's actually with Miles Sanders oh. on the rush yards. That's where I was going with the Sanders. Yeah, so a little bit of a twist here, <laughs> uh, guys. And I'm gonna take the under on this one at DraftKings right now. It's one thousand point rushing yards and. You know, we already hear in the rumblings of the coaching staff uh, that the dreaded RBBC, this is what keeps uh, fantasy football players up at night when they hear that phrase, uh, just shakes you to the core. But Boston Scott's going to be involved. They invested uh, in Kenneth Gainwell in this past NFL draft. Hell, they even exhumed Jordan Howard, whose career was thought to be dead and six feet under. Uh, but they brought him back. We'll see if the Hammond Ager makes the team. But, Uh, I fear that Sanders is just not going to have the workload that he saw late in the season when Jalen Hurts uh, assumed the starting gig when he averaged 18.3 touches per contest. I think this is going to be a specialized backfield. Uh, Sanders had to deal with a little bit of the injury bug last year. He's gone back-to-back seasons now, under 900 rush yards. I think he's going to be somewhere in the 900s. And I know the Eagles' offensive line is healthy and is moving in the right direction, but, man, I I can't see him. Uh, reaching a thousand and one yard mark in the end. Yes, even in an expanded year, yes, even with a sterling advanced analytics record. I'm just not buying it, so I'm gonna take the under.
5: Brad, uh I want to look at one of the rookies here, Najee Harris. Uh his rush total is at a thousand and a half. He's five to one in the uh in the rookie of the year markets at DraftKings. He also may not have an offensive line in front of him this year, Brad. Just uh what 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 ways would you look to play Najee Harris if at all?
6: Oh, my God, over on everything. Whatever they offer, touchdowns, receptions, (laughs) rushing yards, receiving yards. I'm taking the over on everything, Najee Harris. No, I didn't go to Alabama. I went to the University of Illinois, uh, the Harvard of the Midwest. Uh, But I am a huge fan of Harris's overall skill set. And, yes, there are questions about the offensive line. Kendrick uh, Green, who they drafted third round, a kid out of the University of Illinois, is going to try to shore up that interior A portion of the line, but Pat Fryermuth, I think, is an underrated, underappreciated draft pick. Guy was a road grader uh, during his days at Penn State, and he is going to be, you know, trying to seal off the edge uh, often this season to try to spring loose Najee Harris. But this is a volume play. I mean, what's his competition? Are we really worried about Benny the snail Snell? I'm certainly not. Are you worried about Anthony McFarland? No. Uh, This team has been looking for the next Le'Veon Bell. They invested high draft capital, a first-round pick, to acquire the next Le'Veon Bell. They are going to utilize him to his fullest capacity. I think Najee Harris is going to be up there with the Derrick Henrys, the Saquon Barkleys uh, of the NFL, Christian McCaffrey, as well. In terms of volume and opportunity share, it is there. And through those sheer opportunities, uh, he will cruise past 1,000.5 rushing yards and receiving yards and receptions. And touchdowns. Love Harris.
4: We're talking once again to Brad Evans. Well, um, I, I understand where you're coming from with the Najee Harris volume-wise. Um, I, I, hopefully, the durability uh, stands up. You know, with uh, with that offensive line. But when you look at the rookie of the year market. His stock is plummeting. I don't know if you've already gotten in on Najee Harris for Rookie of the Year, Brad, but as uh, our friends at DraftKings currently have him at 5-1, to one, second shortest odds on the board, I can't touch it. I know he's the guy, but with that offensive line, with an aging quarterback, there are just so many more intriguing options, in my opinion, uh, for Offensive Rookie of the Year.
6: Yeah, and he plays a violent position. Right. You got to absorb a lot of contact there. I, I got it at 18 to 1, guys, uh, right after the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, selected him at DraftKings. Uh, felt really good about that, actually. But at 5 to 1, all the value is evaporated here. So. You know, if, you, if you're looking at the market, uh, juggernaut Javante Williams, I think, is fascinating. I think he's down a 20 to 1 right now at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, you know, we're already hearing rumblings and rumors at the Mile High City that he is going to supplant Melvin Gordon starting week one if he has a strong training camp. Uh, and again, I, I think this offense as a whole is going to be much healthier. Uh, in denver than what we saw last season especially with Cortland sutton back jerry judy taking a step forward and again teddy bridgewater being an upgrade over drew log and of course we've got that specter in the room we don't know what's going to happen with aaron Rodgers, uh but you know even justin fields i think is fascinating or even a trey lance as well if they can get into the starting lineup earlier than expected matt nagy has his head right now clear up the posterior, and he's ticking me off to no end, <laughs> saying that Andy Dalton is our guy. We're not going to budge on this. We know what Andy Dalton's going to do week one. It's a prime time game against the Rams. You could argue has the best defense on paper uh, this upcoming NFL season. Andy Dalton's going to wilt. He's going to melt under the spotlight. And if the Bears are getting trounced, they don't throw out Justin Fields immediately to see what he can do. Because he's got to have a stellar camp. I guarantee he's going to outperform Andy Dalton training camp. The Boo Birds are going to be raining down. It will probably be a partisan Bears crowd anyway in L.A. since nobody really cares about football.
5: Brad, uh, you you just got on the Bears. So I got to ask you about your guy, Mandatory Montgomery, here. Uh, 1,075 and a half (laughs) yards. Uh, there for his rush total this year. Uh, what are you What are you looking at there with uh, Montgomery, especially? Again, I agree with you. At some point, Andy Dalton is going to wilt, and we're going to see Justin Fields probably sooner rather
6: than later. Uh, I, I cannot have an objective opinion about my boy Mandatory Montgomery. You know, <laughs> we all have our infatuations. We all have our man crushes. This is my guy. This is my dog. I've invested so much time and energy and hyperbole into building up the brand of Dana Montgomery that I should really get a cut from his agent, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but he's going to take the over. He's going to get the over this season. The, the Bears have already come out and, you know, take it for what it's worth. It could be coach speak, it could be a bunch of, you know, poppycock. Uh, but they said, hey, we think he can best what he did last season on the ground. And they've made some investments in the offensive line. I think it's going to take a step forward. But again, the 64000 other question here is when will Justin Fields be under center for this team? Because we'd have an RPO-based quarterback who is a true running threat, and he's a, a phenomenal runner. He you know, displayed that in his years at Ohio State. Uh, even go back to his days at Georgia, he steps in, he changes the entire scheme to only favor Dave McGovern. Remember I mentioned Miles Sanders earlier? Same thing happened with him late in the year where he was sprung loose due to Jalen Hurts uh, being at the controls. So the sooner the Bears make the quarterback change, the better it's gonna be for the offense of a hole. And and once that does happen, uh, then sky's the limit for my boy mandatory Montgomery. He's smashing NFL records this season, gents. All
4: right. Before we let you run, now that you're back in your home state, you've got the eye lit up, this game was supposed to be played in good old Dublin, Ireland but instead, it'll be in Champaign, <laughs> Illinois. The Murray Sportsbook has yeah. the odds at minus 3,000 that Brad Evans will be in attendance for the Illini-Nebraska game on August 28th. Will I Well, Should I lay the juice?
6: Uh, yes, you should. And <laughs> you want to talk about juice? I'm going to be pulled up at all the wrong places. Late August, central Illinois, it's going to be unbearably hot. But here's the good news, guys. 11 years ago, when I moved away from central Illinois and you know decided to melt my face in the desert in Arizona, then I went to Denver. Uh, now I'm back. But 11 years ago, they did not sell beer Ooh. at Memorial Stadium. Mm. Oh, they do now. And I will be bathing in it. During that opening week matchup against the Cornhuskers.
4: Yeah, it's going to be a week zero game there between Nebraska and Illinois. Nothing, to, There's no zeros about Brad Evans. He's our favorite, and he will be joining us, I'm sure, throughout the summer months. Brad, you're the man. Keep unpacking those
6: boxes. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Mandatory Montgomery for all the monies.
4: <laughs> there he is. That is Brad Evans at Noisy Huevos on Twitter. Six minutes to go in Los Angeles. We were within the number, and now we're outside the number.
5: Oh, we were, weren't there for long. 94-83. to
4: 83. It was 89-83 not too long ago, but the Clippers have an 11-point lead. The Golden Knights season is over the montreal canadiens headed to the stanley cup final our guy darren banks joins us in studio next to break it all down right here on the nightcap i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in mexico
2: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I bet you're smart. Yeah,
2: and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elajei Azadi. We host a daily news
0: podcast called Post Reports.
4: Eighty-three, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. DeAndre Ayton has gone over his point total. That's about the only positive thing going on for me here tonight. And the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum could host game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. Banksy's here to break down what we saw tonight north of the border. Uh, shout out to SOHistory on Twitter. Since 1988... The Montreal Canadiens were the largest NHL playoff series upset in a conference final slash Stanley Cup semifinal, whatever this year is called, since 1988 at plus 375, and they were higher prices. Banksy, overtime was needed tonight. The Canadians get it done. What went wrong for the Knights, not only this evening, but... I would say the last handful of games, they were
1: just outplayed by Montreal. Yeah, they just, there was no offense generated on that team. Uh, I mean, if we look at the goal, all the goals that were scored, three quarters of them were scored by their D-men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I watched the game today, and I, I didn't watch as closely uh, other games. I mean, I was watching the game, but everything when Montreal was generated from below it. The, the forwards came down deep. They came with speed, flying into our zone. Three on twos. Vegas, forwards are standing at the far blue line, throw the puck to them, to a guy, maybe one guy skating, or if they got it deep, only one guy four-checked, and the rest were going to the bench for a line change. I don't know, they look lethargic or slow. I mean, I'm assuming guys are injured. That's the only thing I can think. I I don't know what what the answer is. Well, that, again,
5: just look at the captain. Mark Stone had as many points as the three of us sitting at this desk in a six-game series, which... Again, Banksy, you're you're not going to beat anyone at this stage of the
1: playoffs if if your your best player your captain goes goose egg the whole series. Yeah, your studs have got to score. I mean, Montreal, those, all those little guys, that Caulfield. I mean, how many goals he have? Four. It's unbelievable. I mean, scored I every game three months ago. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those guys, Shay Weber. I think he's injured, but those big four de- defensemen, they had a the back back there. They played phenomenal. in Price. He's playing like he did 10 years ago.
4: We're talking to Darren Banks, uh, joining us in studio. Uh, I just, there's a a couple other things to unpack with the Knights, but uh, 1993 was a good year for you.
1: Yeah, it was all right.
4: (laughs) Banksy played the most games you, you played in your, you played 16 games for the Bruins that year. Oh, look out! <laughs> hey, 16 more games than anybody in this building played in the NHL. So that was a that was a pretty nice year. It was also the last time the Montreal Canadiens made the Stanley Cup final. They won it. They beat the Kings uh, that year. And is that the last Canadian team to win a sure, Stanley
5: sure, Cup? Sure is. Wow. Sure and now is.
4: we are here. We are a team that was, if you include overtime losses, eight games under 500. What have they done? to come back against uh, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs down, what, three games to one, to sweep the Jets, now to beat a team that was odds-on to win the Stanley Cup, and they beat them in six games. What have the Canadians done to turn the tides here in the postseason?
1: You know what, they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think there might be 13-1 and one or something crazy record like that. Yeah. um. They're just on fire. They're playing together, they're playing great defensively, and it's got to start from defense, right, and start through your goaltending, and uh, Price has been awesome, and they start from the below, and they just move it up, up the ice, and those little guys are going in that hard and making things happen, and now look at, they're going to Stanley Cup Finals, the only good thing I like about it, and not that Montreal's there, but they're Canadian, yeah, and all my Canadian peeps are gonna be watching Stanley Cup final. Well, I was asking, and and we'll get to more about
4: you know tomorrow's Game Seven, and, and maybe I know Jeff's got thoughts on this too as well. But you know, I I was in Canada in 2013 uh, during the Stanley Cup final. My honeymoon. I started in Vancouver. We did a, a cruise and whatnot. But I mean, now that a Canadian team—not to say that Toronto folks are gonna be cheering for Montreal, because we know that it's not gonna be true. I wouldn't think. But, I mean, the coverage is going to be crazy with the fact that first time in a decade you've got a Canadian team in this cup final.
1: Remember one thing. Hockey started in Canada. Oh, yeah. Didn't start in the United States. <laughs> so, Canadian fans, if you're not a Montreal fan, is still going to watch. They want to see. And now they're going to root for the Canadian. And the Toronto fans, yeah, they they might hate Montreal, but they're going to root for them. Really? Because they want Canadian team to win. All right. We got a Game 7 tomorrow. I, I stole the I stole
4: Jeff's questions. He's he's chomping at the He's he's, punch, oh, no, no, you, he's you, you, punching me in the ribs, saying oh, he wants yeah. he needs more questions. And so we'll, we we got to take a break. We'll get you updated. Clippers pulling away here. Looks like our in-game bets, Jeff. Yeah, we're gonna lose. Don't look great, but uh, Banksy sticking around for another segment. We got a game seven tomorrow. Night season is over, sadly. Bring it on back. It is the nightcap here on VC. any part of our show or anything on the beaston schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows. That includes Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, Lombardi Line, My Guys in the Desert, Check out the feed. It's VEASAN Best Bets. Also, our podcast, Beating the with Book with Gil Alexander. Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. We've got Hardwood Handicappers with JVT. Long Shots, Gone Racing, the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all free, available now. VEASAN.com backslash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Jeff Parles, Darren Banks, former NHL standout. Why not? Stand in. <laughs> I mean played in the NHL? You were stand out somewhere. Uh 106.92. The Clippers gonna t- uh get on the board as they will win. They will cover the under will come home with ease. Um Banksy, before uh we jump ahead, just um for the Knights, you beat the Avalanche and it, you kind of got crowned champ after that that win. Um you know what was we, we we hit on a little bit, but are there changes that need to be made for the Knights? I mean, this is a team that owned the second best record in the NHL. Uh, I know it was an unusual year with a bubbling, um, but they beat the Avalanche. What needs to change for the Knights to get to where they ultimately want to get, which is hoisting Lord Stanley Cup?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not the general manager, and I wouldn't want this job, but you got two goaltenders making 12 million dollars. Okay. That's a lot of money tied up in goalies. Um, you know, there's probably, you know, the young kid that played Thompson, I think, played in the American League. is a good goalie. I don't know. He's never played in an NHL game. Um, but you need to get, lower that salary cap and bring some players in. Do you need another forward, another power forward? I, I don't know what the answer is, but something's got to be done. Something's got to change. And Fleury, I mean, how many years has he got left? You know, he's not getting any younger, and he played great. He played awesome this year. And... You know, them making the change tonight or even tonight, two games ago, I said it didn't matter. And I think I mentioned on this show before, I go, it doesn't matter. you got two great goaltenders, and you've got to – you're paying them that kind of money. you got to have a lot of faith in them. So there, I assume there will be some kind of changes, and we'll see what happens. Banksy, let's
5: look to tomorrow real quick because we have a game seven. The uh, Islanders – Come back from 2-0 down, force the game 7 in Tampa. This series has really been a, a really just a classic case of everyone thought it was over after 8-0. But as we all know, it doesn't matter if you lose 8-0 or 1-0. counts as one loss. And the Islanders come back and win that game. Just what are your thoughts going into that one? Because I would imagine the Islanders feel no pressure here going into the, the defending champs building, where even though they won a the cup last year, Pressure's on Tampa to get it done, especially with what just happened tonight.
1: Oh, most definitely. And, and I don't know if you guys remember, but a week ago, or a week and a half before the series started, I said, hey, this probably be a seven-game yeah, series. Yes, you did. I go, Islanders play such great defense. And Brazal, last night, he was looked like a man possessed in the third period. And if that guy's going, and you get some of those other guys on the Islanders going, you know, they can beat Tampa, and without Kucherov, if he doesn't play tomorrow, I mean, I watched that cross-check over and over again, and it was just a regular play. It happened all the time when we played, but the rules are different, but him not playing, I just think him not coming back there for a little while, and then not being 2 nothing. I think they thought they had the game in the road, and they didn't need him, but if he comes back tomorrow, I mean, the first thing I would do is cross-check him tomorrow. You know, <laughs> and again, I'm rooting for my Islanders, I play for Barry Trotz, the assistant coaches are my buddies, so I'm rooting for them, but it's one of those games that you're going to want to watch all 60 minutes because the Islanders don't quit. What is it about Barry
4: Trotz? You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Caps fan, so I'm, I'm always grateful. And, and I love Barry Trotz because he, he brought a cup to, to Washington. And then he, he goes to New York, and and they've gone further in the postseason every single year than Washington. Washington has since fired the coach that replaced him. So what is it about him that that leads to this type of mentality? Since you played for him, and, you know, I'm, I'm staring at, Plus 155 in some spots in town for 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 the Islanders tomorrow, and I don't know. I mean, it's it's intriguing to look at a plus money price like that, knowing that it, it's going to be. It feels like it's going to be a war tomorrow night.
1: It's definitely going to be a war, and again, I think it's going to come down to power plays. I don't think either team needs to take penalties because both teams can score on a power play, but Tampa Bay's power play is lethal, and so keep them off the power play. Play five on five. I mean, Braden Point, you guys scoring every game. I mean, you got to neutralize guys like that if you can. And Islanders are going to play their game. You know, it's going to, I think it'll be a great, exciting game. The fans won't be as crazy as they are on the island, but Mm -hmm. it'll be, they'll be ruckus in Tampa Bay having a good time. And Islanders will feed off it. And their goalie's playing awesome. All right, Banksy, we have one who's in the cup final.
5: I, I, it's tough to make you do it with three teams left, but who's raising the cup in about 17
1: days from now? Who's raising it? Who's raising it? E- well, I guess it would be the East, some, but it's not some, the someone, east. someone
5: in the east, someone from but the East is that? raising it. How about that? We're going to have it all
1: Eastern Conference. Yeah, someone east, in the East is going to raise the cup this year, <laughs> guarantee you. <laughs> but no, I think it's either whoever wins the Tampa wins Islanders tomorrow. series. When raises a cup. You know, if it's I don't know what the price will be. If the Islanders
4: beat you're you're better at this than I am, but if the Islanders beat the Lightning tomorrow, it's not gonna be a massive price for a series, is it? My, my, Tampa my, if Tampa wins, it's gonna be a big price. If
5: it's the Islanders, I don't know with the way that Montreal's played through this postseason, I don't know how it can be more than like minus one forty on the Islanders. Would uh, you play
4: that, Banksy? Like, like,
5: like, hypothetically at the at the Parl's at yeah, the par- I, I may parlay be set, house, I, I may be setting a horrible line on that if it's the Islanders. But if it's the Lightning, it's got to be. It's not going to be what it just was with Vegas. But if it's the Lightning, it's got to be like minus three fifty on Tampa. If that's the case, when, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: it's going to be high. Yeah, it's going to be high. And and again, it might be a little more. Yeah, like you said, minus one thirty-one forty. If if it's the Islanders. Um, but I think that I can't say the East. That's why I keep wanting to say the East. But <laughs> those guys, uh, Tampa or the Islanders, are going to win the Cup this year. And I and if the Islanders win it, my boys already called me and said, make sure you get out here. You know, Ooh. you know. I, and I've never, I've only been in on the island besides the play there. I've never been outside to go out anywhere. So I would definitely take advantage.
4: I would, uh, yeah. Got to close that place down. Imagine if that barn closes down. Winning the Stanley Cup. They'll burn it. <laughs>
1: Why not?
4: Why not? No one's going to use it anymore. Banksy, you're the man. Did you play against the Canadians in 93?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah? Um, were they pretty good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was nice to be in that building with all of the Hall of Famers jerseys and the plaques. and play. You walked around and you're just like, uh. Well, good time. I guess
4: that's what the Knights were doing because uh, that's the way they look. The Knights are eliminated. Banks never eliminated. We'll see you tomorrow. you be here. You know it. Oh, yeah. Banksy, Stevens, it'll be the, the crew to start Friday. That's uh, the Nightcaps NHL correspondent, Darren Banks. It's the Nightcap here on Visa.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
1: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
2: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. To
4: hire Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you
5: find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com/slash/credit. Yes, I have fun Montreal Canadiens stats. If
4: you you want, I would uh, I would certainly enjoy that. Before we get to fun Montreal Canadiens numbers, Clippers win 106 to 92. The under cruises. As this thing closed, 220 and a half. The Clippers cover all numbers, including uh, the in-game. When I thought about betting the Suns, didn't bet the Suns at plus five. Then I did bet the Suns at plus eight. Jeff bet the Suns at plus eight and a half. But we both thought the Clippers would win yesterday. We didn't bet that. They win 106 to 92. Very solid win for the Los Angeles Clippers. Chris Paul and Devin Booker both finished with 15 points. They combined to go 10 for 40 from the field, three for 14 from three, those two. So we will see if they can bounce back on Saturday evening. As Jeff just mentioned, the Montreal Canadiens are headed to the Stanley Cup final. First time since 1993. They finished off the Golden Knights in six games, winning in overtime tonight, three to two. And they continue, Jeff, as you mentioned, to have to remain undefeated when scoring two
5: or more goals this postseason. It's a pretty good trend. Yeah, if you only if you only need two to uh two to win, that's pretty good. Uh, the Canadiens since uh, the expansion era started, so sixty eight. Okay, they are the third team to have the worst record or the least amount of points in the playoff field and make the Cup final. The Flyers in twenty ten, even though they were to the seven in the East. They and the Canadiens of that season met in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both had the least amount of points in the playoff field. Flyers made the final loss to Chicago in six. In 2017, the Preds, who were the would have been the equivalent to the eight in the West, that was one of the early years of this new pod system, made the cup final, lost to Pittsburgh in six. Uh, the only uh, eight seed to win the cup in the past decade, the 2012 LA Kings. Uh, steamrolled through the postseason, actually one of the better postseason runs we have seen in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the last 20 years. Uh, They were the last eight-seed or last-place divisional team to win a cup, so there you go, Tim. All right, so uh, we have the Montreal Canadiens heading
4: to the Stanley Cup final, and uh, we will have a Game 7 tomorrow. We'll find out who they play. Tomorrow night, we'll know that pretty early on in the show, uh, around a 5 o'clock or so, uh, Eastern puck drop down in the Sunshine State, Tampa, and the the New York Islanders. Uh, We've got some adjusted numbers to get to uh, when it comes to the NBA, and I think this is going to make you uh, quickly fire up your app, Jeff. The current adjusted series line at the Westgate Superbook Clippers plus 330 to win this series. Not as
5: good as the other one. Suns
4: minus 400. Your current NBA title odds. Well, maybe this is intriguing to you. Clippers plus 700 to win the NBA title at BetMGM. Suns plus 140. Bucks plus 150. Down 01 to the Hawks. And the Hawks still, despite three wins away from the NBA Finals, are plus 750. Uh, at BetMGM. So, um, game number four on Saturday night at uh, 610 Pacific, 910 Eastern. Right now, you're looking at Phoenix minus one and a half, line 125, buyback plus 105 for the Clippers, a total of 220, so it goes down a half point from where it closed. Um heading into tonight as the as the under cruises to a victory with a total of 198 points so you're not you're not intrigued about that series price you you were all you were captain Clipper during the break and now
5: now you're uh you're I, you're you're, 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 you're I, come on I, I wait I, 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 I can't I can't compete with Clipper Daryl I mean come on now but 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 look it just, well Captain uh, Clippers JVT it, it just is a little bit tough to really, uh, to really take that price, especially uh, Aaron, Aaron, our producer was saying plus three sixty-five other spots as well. So maybe a look at that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. It just the way the series is gone has made me really rethink things because I was in the scenario where it's like, all right, Phoenix is going to win the series. They're just much better. You win the two games without Chris Paul. You're in pretty good shape, but. When you really step back and you look at how game two was won, Tim, yeah. it was an all-time play from Phoenix to win that game. Granted, should they have ever been in that position? Probably not. But it did take an all-time play to win that game. Or else we're talking about the Clippers being up to one of the Clippers being favored in this series right now. And the Clippers tonight, Tim, and this is one thing that I, I think raises a little bit of a question about Phoenix. Clippers missed 22 three-pointers tonight and dominated the second half. We're going to talk to JVT
4: in a moment, and I imagine he's going to bring this up. You know, think back to the Utah series. They go down 0-2. Granted, that Lakers, a Clippers team, excuse me, had a healthy Kawhi Leonard. But those two games that were played in Utah, they lose by three, they lose by six. They come back in game three. They pummel the Utah Jazz. Now, tonight wasn't a, a pummeling. Uh, it, it got as close as six in the third in the fourth quarter, 89-83. and then uh, the the uh, the Clippers were able to extend it out. But game one of this series, a six point Suns win in a very competitive game, and I don't even think six to me is indicative of how close that game was. And then to your point about how game two unfolded with the DeAndre Ayton dunk at the buzzer. Um, you know, the Miss Paul George free throws. Some unforeseen things had to have happened. A tremendous call. You know, they had a good look, the, clip, uh, the Suns did, but they miss it from the corner. A deflection off of the Clippers keeps possession for the Suns. DeMarcus Cousins not guarding the ball correctly. A good back screen by Devin Booker knowing there would be no such thing as a uh, an illegal screen there. So, I still think... Phoenix wins this series, assuming Kawhi Leonard does not play the remainder. Um, and I and I chalked this one up to, you're going to have poor shooting nights, and that's what you had uh, for the Phoenix Suns. You mentioned the Clippers shot poorly, which they did. They shot just 35% from three. The Suns shot 31% from three. Campaign got hurt. And as crazy as, you know, that that could be something to keep an eye on. Campaign only played four minutes tonight, Jeff. How much? Whatever that injury was... How lingering is it? Does he return for Saturday night's Game 4? That's something to keep an eye on. Campaign at 29 points in Game 2. He has been a massive piece for the Phoenix Suns this postseason. Does Chris Paul look better? Probably. Um, Does Devin Booker look better? I would think so. So I think you could look at it both ways. The way you looked at it, which is the Clippers, who are a pretty good three-point shooting team, missed 22 threes. But if you're a Suns backer, I would say it's not time to panic, considering Chris Paul and Devin Booker combined to go ten for forty from the field and three for fourteen from three.
5: Again, I, I I'm just trying I'm trying to keep myself disciplined to not fire on on something where I've had totally the different opinion going into the series and through two games. But again, it just it, with the way the Clippers have come back in these series, Tim. That's why I'm thinking about it. That's why I'm giving it a a long look. That's why when we're on the show tomorrow and you ask me after, uh, in the second segment, Jeff, did you bet the Clippers on the series price? The answer will probably be yes. So, so we'll see. We'll see the level of discipline I have over the next. At least uh, you're honest, uh, Over man. the next 21 hours. Gotta, or
4: so. gotta appreciate the honesty uh, about that. And we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm curious what JVT will think. Uh, we'll get his thoughts too on on the Buck series as well, uh, where he sees that one. But you know, reading his uh, you know breakdown on Vison today, I, I don't think he had a pre-flop pre-flop play. Um, he, he said there was no real value in the number, but you know, knowing that he is a Clippers fan and he still had belief in the Clippers to win the, the NBA Finals and has a couple good numbers, uh, I imagine he took the Clippers down 0-2 in a series price. I don't know that for a fact. That's going to be my uh, hunch that he did and that he's not really surprised to see something like this uh, unfold. And And look, give a lot of credit tonight to a guy that I have absolutely dogged this entire postseason in Zubats. Uh, He had 15 points and 16 rebounds. He had a double-double in the first half. Uh, I still think that Chris Paul will be able to take advantage of Zubats if he's on the floor uh, with his mid-range game, but it just wasn't there tonight. Uh, Taking a look at some of the the over-unders grading out the action for tonight, as you would imagine in a low-scoring game like this, not a ton of things hit over, but A prop that I looked at, and I didn't bet, obviously, was Paul George rebounds at eight and a half. I stared at it, didn't play it. He finished with 15 boards tonight. So for Paul George, you didn't get there on points. He finishes with 27. But he gets a double-double. He has 15 rebounds tonight, Jeff. He also has eight assists. So he goes well over all those. And you kind of got some nice plus money. I mean, think about if you bet double-doubles for both Paul George and... uh, and Zubats tonight, you got uh, you got your money's worth. You know, actually, looking at that board right there, here's the interesting thing. Plus money galore. DeAndre Ayton, no double-double, plus money, had nine rebounds. Paul George, double-double, plus 140. Chris Paul, double-double, plus 152. He had 12 assists. And Zubats, double-double, plus 400. He had 16 rebounds and 15 assists. So if you were just plus money hunting on double doubles, good for you because Ayton, George, Paul, and Zubots all hit their plus money prop on the double doubles.
5: Not a bad uh not a bad night at the office if you uh so tomorrow bet all double doubles. Well not tomorrow, Saturday. Yes, Saturday. Dude, dude, dude Saturday. Well no tomorrow you got the Bucks game. You could, but you have to see what, what I mean those Giannis are be. the no will be in
4: very uh a ton yes. of plus money. So the Clippers Keeping this series interesting. Now two games to one as game three, excuse me, game four, coming up on Saturday night in Los Angeles. Phoenix, a early one-and-a-half point favorite, a total of 220. Clippers get it done tonight, win the old bounce-back spot down 2 We'll talk to JVT about what he witnessed tonight. Top of the hour. Stick around. It's the Nightcap on Vison
0: From BBC Radio 4.